we just ask today that you would root and ground us in that love. God, that we would be unshakable. That nothing would separate us. That we would be convinced in our hearts, God, not just in our minds. That nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Father, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for even what you're doing in hearts right now, Lord. We just say continue to have your way today, God. I just ask that this would be a day of a healing, God. A day of awakening our hearts to who we are to you, God. Our purpose, our identity in Christ. Our worth before you, Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, for this time. We give you praise. We want to know how high, how deep, and how wide is your love. So come and reveal it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Callie. Thank you, Andrew. Bless you. Got the rhythm going there, Andrew. It's a good start to the morning. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. For those of you guys that this is your first retreat, I'll just give you a quick, brief overview of what the day is going to look like, and then I'm really excited. Andrew Rangins is teaching this morning, and I'll talk about him in a second. So we're going to go for about another 45 minutes. We're going to have a teaching, then we'll have a break. We'll have games. We'll be playing basketball. And volleyball and doing all that fun stuff, and then we're going to have lunch, and then we'll come back in here and uh, finish up with um, a little bit more teaching, and then a lot of ministry time, and then, uh, and then we're going to be done. So um, I am so excited this morning to have Andrew, because uh, this message I've been able to see lived out in his life. I got to live with him and got to spend some time driving home from Alaska with him, and, and he's really set his heart on a pilgrimage to know Jesus in a real way. And so um, this is more than a message from him. This is a, this is a lifestyle, and this is a word that's in him. So I'm super excited. So we're just going to pray, and then if you've got, we got notes that are going around, so make sure you, you get a copy notes. of notes. This is a serious retreat, Paul. We're moving up. Okay. we got notes. Hallelujah. So, Father, we just thank you for our brother. God, we thank you for Andy and everything that you've placed in him. We just ask, Holy Spirit, you would give us grace to receive God grace to receive take us deep into our hearts tonight or even this morning I mean take us deep God in our hearts we want to be changed we just have anticipation God of your desire to move so we bless this time I just ask for an anointing on the words and on the hearers in the name of Jesus amen Take it, bro. Thanks, Ben. I need notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some notes. Fresh from Kingo. <laughs> <laughs> They're still hot. Where they going? Let's go. Hey, does everyone have notes? Are there notes passed all around? There's no way we went through them all. No, it was a bunch of them. Yeah, friends next to Hopefully we have plenty. Yeah, there's some more over here. So, um, Yeah, like Quinn said, I'm just going to share a bit on... Um, knowing God in an intimate way. Um, I'm just going to pray again real quick, too. Just because it's probably for me. <laughs> Jesus, um, we just ask that we would we would know you, that we, you would burn in our hearts, that you would reveal yourself to us and just reveal your great love for us and who you created us to be and everything that you feel about us. That you would place this desire in our hearts, that we would leave with a desire to know you, with a desire 
to, to see everything that you are, to be captivated by the beauty of your love for us, and that everything that you see in us, we'd be captivated by the way that you see us, that the fact that you call us beautiful would define us, and that that would be our everything. So we, that's our greatest desire, that we would come away with a passion and a desire to know you. And not only that, we would actually know you. We want to, more than this desire, we actually want to know you, Jesus, and know how you feel about us. Let that define the course of our lives. Let that be the source of our lives. Let that be everything we have. So we just thank you so much for who you are. And um, Amen. This is a really loud microphone, I feel like. There. It's good, I think I like it. Oh, it's good, Andy. Yeah. So, uh, we got these notes here. I'll probably go pretty much kind of straight through the notes. I think they turned out pretty well. Um, that was the Holy Spirit. I was kind of pretty confused last night when I was writing at 2.30 in the morning. So, it turned out well, though. So, uh, just to start off, this is Point A says personal testimony. This has definitely been something the Holy Spirit's been doing in my life, especially in the past probably four or five months. He's really... Um, just kind of brought about a lot of misconceptions in my heart of who he was. A lot of um, insecurities been brought up, which has been good, because ultimately every insecurity and every, every uh, doubt we have comes from a lie we're believing. So he's been doing a huge work in my own life as far as bringing about the revelation of who Jesus is. So that we can uh, be free, because we're meant to be free and to love him and love ourselves and love others. So, yeah. So I kind of feel like Philippians 3.12 felt right. Paul says, uh, not that I've actually attained this, but I, I still strive for it, and it's my life goal. So that's kind of, not that I've completely, I haven't mastered the knowledge of God. I hope not. <laughs> it's true. So, but it definitely, it's kind of become my greatest pursuit in life. So, um, Point B, Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God, and everything we do is rooted and grounded in this pursuit. Everything is said in the context of this great invitation to love Him. In uh, Matthew 22, uh, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, for this is the first and greatest commandment. So, ultimately, everything we do in this life um, is to be centered around loving Jesus. Um, and that's kind of the point of this first little paragraph, is just that, ultimately, to love God is to know Him. The only way to really love God is to know who He is, because we, as humans, the only way we can love God is to love Him in return of the love that He's given us. So, uh, yeah, point C is the knowledge of God's love for us that empowers our hearts to love Him. We never produce love for God out of our flesh and our, uh, our own strength and dedication. Um, I think it's also important to move on or mention the next sentence. Uh, this does not mean that we cease to extravagantly love God and only flow through this life, but that would be antithetical to being a lover. We were made to be wholehearted. Instead, we live in the reality of our need and look to God to love God. We seek to know His extravagant love for us so that we might love Him extravagantly. In return, and this is the foundation for uh, pursuit of the knowledge of God. That the more we know Him, the more we love Him, and that's a freeing truth. When you realize that we no longer have to to work up in our own hearts or strive to produce um, love for Him, that we just we learn who He is, and that in return just produces uh, extravagant love in our hearts. So First um, so John four nineteen says, "We love Him because He first loved us." Um, I guess, yeah, John 17, 26, this week too says, And I declared to them your name and will declare it, so that the love with which you may have, which you love me may be in them and I in them. So Jesus is saying, he's praying to the Father in a sense. He's saying that I have declared your name to them, or I've, talking to the Father, I have declared who you are to them, and I'll continue to declare who you are, your personality, everything that you are, so that 
the love with which you love me may be in them. So he's saying that the way that I'm going to put my love in your hearts, in these disciples' hearts, is to declare who you are, Father, to them. And that's the way that we grow in love for Jesus, is to encounter the revelation of who the Father is. Um, and then also going on from 1 John 4, 7, 8, there it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Um, who does, he who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. So I think the word for knows there is, like, you know, scope. Paul probably knows better than I do. Like he ran off, though. But I think it's called, yeah, it's the Greek word something, you know, scope. But the main point I want to make you down there below there, it says, you know, scope. It's not like a no, like, I know that 2 plus 2 equals 4, or I know that whatever the sun's in the sky today. It's The no here is, uh, it's, it's a learn to know, it's like a relational no. To come to know, and it's also used as a Jewish, Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse between a man or a woman. So the main reason I put that there is to say that this isn't like I know neighbor Bob or I know of someone. It's 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 far beyond that. It's a relational, intimate knowing. Um, and John straight up says here that he who does not love does not know God. Therefore, um, everyone who does love does know God. So if we know God in a relational way, we can't help. But love. So continuing on, um, yeah. Point D: When this revelation hits our hearts that we cannot love God apart from God, our hearts are set free. We no longer there's no longer shame, uh, the shame of feeling like a failure in His eyes. Only the revelation that we always have and always will rest only in His love for us, not our love towards Him. We realize that our love for Him is real. Um, and it's real not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. That's good. Ezekiel 36, 26, saying that uh, he'll put a new heart in us, he'll put a new spirit in us. So this whole revelation of freely receiving um, is awesome. I think it's one of the most foundational revelations in the Christian Absolutely. life. I mean, if you, when we realize that we no longer have to look to our own strength to produce these things, to produce love toward Jesus, that's incredibly freeing. Um, so yeah. So that's kind of a little bit of foundation of we, as we grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is, um, our hearts are captivated by Him. They're set on fire to love Him, and it all comes from a, a receiving of His revelation of His heart for us and His love for us. So, um, moving on to the knowledge of God, we go to the next page to letter F. All the Bible can be seen is God writing in the knowledge of who he is, his character, desires, and feelings on human tablets. He reveals himself both indirectly through his relationships to human beings and directly through Jesus Christ. We'll get some water too. That'd be sweet. <clears throat> so... Um, Moving into actually the knowledge of God, and to find that too, I say the knowledge of God, um, not talking about the the head knowledge, like the, the general knowledge of a God. We're talking about that ginosko, ginosko, whatever it is, the intimate knowledge of God, the knowledge of who He is, the knowledge of His personality, um, the relational knowledge. It's okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'll get it. I probably said it. Here, maybe. <clears throat> 
So yeah, so we talk about the knowledge of God. We're talking about the Ginosko, the revelation knowledge of who he is, the revelation of everything that Jesus is to our hearts and to our spirits. And it's a knowledge that produces something. It's not just a, um, yeah, a, uh, well, yeah, I, I, know, I know God. I know that he's up there somewhere and he's a God, something. I, I grew up thinking that the knowledge of God was, especially in, um, we see the phrase growing in the knowledge of God quite a bit in the epistles. Paul talks about it. Peter talks about it, growing in the knowledge of God. And I always thought that, and I thought that the knowledge of God just meant, oh, like, I guess the knowledge, like, like an academic knowledge. Like, I know that God came to save me, and I know that there's a God kind of thing. But when you realize that the knowledge of God that they're talking about is actually an intimate, relational, um, you know, go knowledge that's far beyond intellectual knowledge. It changes a lot of things. So just uh, as you see that in the scripture, to know that it's not... Um, knowledge of God in the sense of I'm going to study more theology books unto knowing facts about him, but it's a, um, it's the relational knowledge. So, the knowledge of God, letter A. Nothing is more pleasurable than when God reveals God to the human spirit. This is a quote from Mike Bickle. There's a couple in there. I love Mike. Um, and this is true. This is I think this is foundational. That not only do we study the, the revelation of who Jesus is, not only do we seek after the knowledge of God so that we can love God, we also seek after it because it's it's our deepest heart desire, that, that, that we were created to know Jesus. And so it's, it's not only a um, seeking after him unto love, unto love that's definitely a, a, a result of it. We also, we seek after the knowledge of God because it's the most, it's the deepest desire of our hearts is to know who Jesus is. So, uh, to see it, to number one there. To seek to know Jesus is pleasurable. It's fascinating, and this is a good thing. Pleasure is not bad. God created us with a desire for pleasure. God takes pleasure in us. God created us with deep desires that we might find the fulfillment of every one of them in Him. They are gifts, and they are meant to guide us and drive us into relationship with Him. So, yeah, our deepest desire is to know Jesus. It's to know that there is someone who's bigger than us, there's someone who's greater than us, that not only loved us, but he actually delights in us, and he desires to have a relationship. That's the deepest desire of our hearts, is to know that there's someone else who loves us, who desires us, and who delights in us. That's the hunger of every, every person's heart. And we were created that way. We were created to have those desires to be loved. Um, it's easy for them, outside of the context of the revelation of Jesus, it's easy for them to be fulfilled in smaller and less fulfilling ways. That's, that's what the world offers us a million and one ways to fulfill those deep pleasures that were created in our hearts apart from Him. But ultimately our greatest pleasure and our deepest desire in life is to know who He is, to know that there is a God who loves us, that there is a man, Jesus, who actually gave Himself out of desire and it was actually greater than us yet still loves us and still calls us beautiful even when we don't. So that is the deepest pleasure. So ultimately the knowledge of God is it's a pursuit of our deepest desire. It's not, uh, okay, I'm going to strive to do this. It's, I have to do it. I have to, yeah. I can't live apart from this. This is what I was created for. So when we get that, the fact that we're not, okay, another thing to add to the checklist. This this is not, I mean, it's, it's deeper than that. It's our, it's what we were made for. It's the deepest fulfillment of every pleasure we have is to seek after and to know Jesus. And when we get that, the fact that this is the fundamental desire of our lives. This is the fundamental thing that our hearts were created to long after. It's over. It's, it's done deal. So that's a good day. So, oh, it's true. We ask that you just do that in our hearts and reveal that.
that you would open our hearts up to see that the fact that we were created to know you and that your love is what we desire, that these things that we think we desire after aren't what we desire, and that we ask you to open our hearts to see the fact that you, Jesus, are the one that we desire, that we've always longed to know you, to know um, the one who loves us. So we ask that you open our hearts to that and uh, reveal the lies we're believing. So, amen. So, uh, I mean, we see this in the lives of both Paul and David. Uh, Point B says, David and Paul declare that their greatest pursuit in this life is to know God intimately. Uh, Philippians 3, it says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. So Paul, the great apostle Paul, said he counts everything, everything but the excellencies of the knowledge, intimate knowledge of Jesus as complete loss. So that's a big statement. Um, Paul basically setting up the pursuit of the knowledge of Jesus as his main goal in life, to know Jesus. That was his his highest goal and his greatest delight and his deepest desire of his heart was to know the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Um, he said for this he's suffered the loss of all things. This also points to something else saying that if we, if we pursue the knowledge of Jesus we're probably going to lose quite a bit of stuff. But the good part is we can count them all as rubbish. But that's indirect little point there that the pursuit of Jesus will ultimately lead to the, to the loss of everything but the pursuit of Jesus, which is good. makes life very simple, and it's what we were created for. Um, Psalm 27.4 One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I'm going to go right to point one there. Although Jesus is physically beautiful, the phrase the beauty of the Lord refers primarily to the beauty of Jesus' person. It is the incredible beauty found in the revelation of his emotions, desires, and character toward us. Um, Yeah, so David's declaring here that his great desire is that his whole life would be centered around dwelling in the house of the Lord, dwelling with Jesus, and beholding his beauty. Um, for a while, I was kind of confused. I thought that beholding his beauty meant like beholding his beauty, like looking at him in the natural. <clears throat> Which was like that's probably amazing, but it seems interesting to center your life around that. But realizing that the beauty that David is talking about is beholding the beauty of who Jesus is, the beauty of his person, the fact that there is nothing, there's no one, nothing in the natural, no physical pleasure, nothing anywhere, no person that could ever compare to the incredible beauty that's found in the love that Jesus has for us and uh, his person. So both David and uh, Paul declaring that this is their life pursuit to know Jesus, to know his his emotions, his feelings, how he feels, and his uh, the, the character of his person. So point C, um, all this is unto um, not necessarily only a good theology. We want good theology; that's important. But we want to actually know Him. Jesus is a person, and that is our relationship, not only a set of ideas. So practically, this looks like um, learning from him and not only about him. In Matthew 29, Jesus says, Come learn from me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Mm. So it's the practically, as far as I mean, bringing it from, uh, that sounds sweet, to how do we actually do this. It basically, our paradigm shifts from where we our main focus is to learn about Jesus to where now our main focus is to learn from Jesus. We no longer... We read, we go to conferences and sermons, and we, we listen to people talk about him, but our ultimate desire in that is to, to talk directly to him and to encounter Jesus. 
personally, directly, us and him communicating. So that's the that's the practical paradigm shift. How does this? What does this look like changing in my life? It looks like changing our pursuit from knowing about the man Jesus to know to learning from the man Jesus. Um, so he alone becomes our source. Everything we learn, we learn from him, in relationship to him. Um, it's sweet. Roger. Just I think the actual Greek is to spin as a top. I think that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. To twirl around like a top. That's what the actual word means there. So Jesus is like, he's extravagant in his love for us. He doesn't really have much um, pride or insecurity. Yeah, he's, he's willing to extravagant in our love for him. And that's our desire is that the only way for us to be the same is to encounter his extravagant love for us. When we encounter his extravagant love for us, we lose all inhibitions and it's sweet. So that's what we desire is to see the fact that he has no inhibitions about making a fool of himself in his love for us. He's wow. done it a million times and he he delighted in it. So yeah. well, we want to see that, Jesus. Um, Thank you, Lord. Okay, so what's the... So this is, I mean, this is the desire of our hearts. Like So point three, Roman numeral three, the pursuit of the knowledge of God. What does it look like to actually pursue who Jesus is, to actually pursue the person, to pursue being fascinated by his love for us and being captivated by him as our sole desire in this life. So, uh, letter A, the pursuit of the knowledge of God's heart for us is founded in the study of the word. Every view we have of him must be founded in the scriptures. Just as Mary did, we must sit at Jesus' feet and let him teach us. We do this by spending time reading the word and listening to the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, to know who he is, to be fascinated by him is amazingly simple. It's we sit and we receive from him. That's that's the ultimate dumbing down everything. It's we we seek and we find. Jesus made everything incredibly simple. So ultimately, the the fulfillment of this is sit and receive, or seek and find. We we seek him and we find him. That's the that's how easy it is. We could sum it up like that. We seek and he says we'll find. So it's everything is based around that. Everything in the kingdom is based around that. So including the knowledge of Jesus, it's incredibly simple or simple he desires to reveal himself so we we receive it um, which is good news because there's no 10-year plan there's no um, you don't need a seminary degree you don't need um, anything we just receive from him he is delight he delights to reveal himself so it's good news to us the fact that we every single one of us is directly in reach of knowing Jesus completely we every one of us can receive there's no there's no difference. So next page, uh, number one. Uh, I think ultimately the the way that we sit and receive is by pre-reading the word. So it was a little bit on that there. 
It's essentially reading the Bible from a relational perspective, um, not only informational. So kind of you can read it if you want to go on through that. But basically it's um, yeah, it's reading the Bible from a, a perspective of learning from Jesus, of reading it with Jesus, and learning from Jesus of who are you, how do you feel about me. Um, we ask questions. We we no longer feel like we have to get through it. We just we read and we listen, and the Holy Spirit awakens something to our hearts. We feel free to stop and say, okay, Jesus, what is this saying about you? Or um, how can I see you in this? Or what are you saying? Or what, what misperceptions have I had of you in this area? So ultimately, it's just talking to the Holy Spirit and listening as we read um, and seeking to know Jesus. We seek to know him as we read, and we will find him. Um, so then number two, as we read the word, we're desiring and we're seeking to know the emotions of, God, of God's heart. We desire to have a relationship with God so that we seek to know everything about Him. And this ultimately is unto the knowledge, is the knowledge is the foundation of relationship. Every single one of us were created with a desire to know Jesus. And the only way that we fulfill that desire to know and have a relationship with Him is to know Him. It's impossible to have a relationship with someone that you have no idea who they are. You can have emotions, and that's obvious that's that's how Jesus usually initiates our relationship with Him, is He um, captivates us in worship and we're emotionally super excited about his love for us, which is awesome. Like, I created emotions and they're great. So that's kind of usually how it starts is he, he captivates us by the emotions or by, um, yeah, by emotions. And then he draws us into the knowledge of who he is so we can actually love him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, somewhere, John, any other reference for spirit and truth? John 4. John 4. John 4, Jesus is telling the woman at the well that the Father desires, not the woman at the well, sorry to, yeah, 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 okay, um, telling the certain one that the Father is looking for those who worship Him in spirit and truth, um, and to worship Him in spirit and truth means to ultimately to know who He is and to have a relationship with Him that is based on truth, it's not based on misperceptions of who He is, it's I see who you are, and because I know the truth of who you are, I desire to worship you. So usually it starts off with emotions, and then he draws us into the knowledge of who he is, and the knowledge of who he is captivates us and cements our love for him. It um, takes him revealing himself to revelation. Yeah, it takes, we mean, apart from Jesus, we, that's the cool part too, we, apart from Jesus, we can't do this. Like, it's, ultimately, it's him, he initiates it, he brings it about, he gives us the grace to continue it. Good. Ultimately, from start to finish, this is all Jesus and the Holy Spirit doing this to our heart, giving us the grace to do it. It's not our incredible dedication that allows us to know him. Um, say the last sentence in uh, number two says, we want to know what makes him sad, happy, and mad. So we want to know his emotions. We want to know what, who Jesus is. We want to be able to, um, to live his emotions with him. We want to walk through the day more and more knowing this is how he feels about this situation. And this is, this is how Jesus would see this. And I'm seeing this with you, Jesus, through your eyes because I know what makes you sad, happy, and mad. And that walking throughout the day of knowing his emotions and feeling his emotions toward the things that we encounter is what develops that relationship. Um, yeah. So we walk through the day, and that's why this becomes incredibly practical. This doesn't become just a... It consumes our every second. We don't just have knowledge of Jesus' time and then the rest of life we have. Our entire life becomes about walking with him, Asking questions, Jesus, what's on your heart right now? And we begin to partner with him more and more. As we begin to partner with him more and more, we that's that is relationship. So um, 
So also continuing studying the word number three. So we looked at it, we asked Jesus what his emotions are and we desire to feel his emotions, but we can also, so his emotions being revealed in, especially in the Gospels and the Minor Prophets, we can say mean God was happy, sad, or bad. It's, quite, it's, it's incredible how much it says that in the word. But then we also, number three, we look to what he has done to show us who he is. So we look to his emotions, we also look to his acts to show us who he is. His creation, his dealings with Israel, eternal covenants, Jesus' death and resurrection, and our promised future with him. So what do these say about who he is and his emotions and feelings toward us? Any one of these events provide endless revelation of the heart of God. We only we must only sit and listen. But isn't it the opposite of our culture? It's incredibly simple, but Paul says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And the way the enemy tries to conform us to the world is to be busy, be distracted. I mean, the amount of stimulation, the amount of things to do that this, if you don't go after this with focus, it won't happen by default. This will not happen by default. That's yeah, that's incredibly true. I see this guy's life and I see how Andy has made this a reality not in word but in action. By actually doing this. I mean it's so funny to say that, but you actually have to schedule it into your day and make it a priority in your life as much as anything else if you want to grow in it. And it's that's all it really takes. Exactly. And I'd make a plug here you know for making a schedule. I think making a schedule is huge, just kind of it's off the topic, but it's not really off the topic. It's kind of directly in there. So I'd say scheduling your time um, is it's incredible. It's powerful. Ultimately, time is life. I remember Mike Bickle said once, to to squander time is to squander your destiny. And so if we, when we learn how to use our time, especially use our time just to sit and listen from Jesus, that is the that's the opposite of squandering your destiny. That's fulfilling your destiny. To spend time alone with Jesus is to fulfill your destiny. Give a clue, Andy. Uh, you want to do that? How you scheduled your time? Sure. Um, a day in the life of Andy Rangel. A day in the life of Andy Rangel. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, honestly, I've become. Re- I never was a morning person. Growing up, I, even in college, we'd sleep till like one o'clock if possible. But, <laughs> but. <laughs> I've become more and more just kind of aware that spending time early in the morning is really cool. It's pretty, I mean, David said early early I'll arise. It says in Genesis 19, 27, or maybe reverse that, that Abraham got up early and went to seek, uh, went to be with God. So I think getting up early, I mean, right now I usually get up around 6 and then spend some time with Jesus um, in the morning. I schedule, I block off a certain amount of time, but he's the first thing I do. Um, every day, and that's I think that's nice because you can't necessarily plan time throughout the day. Because stuff sometimes comes up, and stuff will pretty much always come up if we aren't completely scheduled. But stuff comes up in the afternoons and the evenings where we had something planned, and then something comes up, and it just overran, and we never get to it. But if we make time first thing in the morning before we have anything planned, that time is always there. That time is always open. So sometimes it means less sleep, but that can actually that can be a good thing. Weaknesses. Paul was pretty excited about weakness. I think we can be excited about weakness too. So sometimes being tired is actually a good thing. Um, yeah. So day in life, Andy Ring is usually get up and spend time with Jesus first thing, and then go to work and hang out with the guys in the house. Do a little worship 
do some worship at night. Um, does that answer the question, Paul? Or are you looking for? Well, I. He said that you simplify this and that you're doing it. I just wanted to know how you were doing it. And I think another cool? another key for uh, Andy. He has a. For those of you guys that don't know, he has a house in Bloomington. About what seven of you guys live there? Seven. I, I live there with my wife, Tom, and we live there. And it's like they have a room set aside that's a prayer room. I think that's a real practical way too, where you go there and you're not constantly having to deal with the regular flow of life within the place you live. You know, and that, that's not necessarily practical for all of us to have a specific room, but you have to get away. Jesus constantly through the gospel, especially the gospel of Mark, that was the rhythm of his life. It says constantly he, he got away to be with the Father, and he just got away to pray, and it's like that's that's a big part that their house they have that set up where they have a prayer room in there and they have some desks. And they have commentaries and Bibles and books and everything to take notes. And just to sit, open your Bible, and not necessarily have a ton of distractions in the room that you're in, too. And he said to his disciples, come away with me yeah. and rest. Well, he, he knows us. He, know, he knew his disciples. He knows us that are seeking after him. We need rest to be with him. True. Any question? Can I ask one question? Yes. When you, and I don't know. Clint said, like you said, it's something that you've been cultivating. Um, what kinds of things went into like you kind of putting a stake in the ground and be like, okay, this is going to happen now? You know what I mean? Like from that transition of maybe times when it wasn't happening or when it was kind of irregular? Necessity. What, like, what is that? <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's what he brought. Basically, he exposed a bunch of just insecurities in my heart, a bunch of things that made me, that drove me to him. Yeah. And that's why I think Clint showed a weakness. And that's, I think that's the gateway to. Everything, not everything, but yeah. Weakness is an incredible opportunity. It's a door of hope if we let it be. So for me, it was, yeah, he exposed these things in my heart, and I was like, ah, this is not so what, what I need the to. Need, the need, like the amount of need that you experienced became greater than what sorts of things it's, that were keeping you from doing it. Like, sleep, probably sleep. I think sleep and just, there's, um, there's like things throughout your day that, if you let your day, it'll be completely filled up with stuff that was okay, but it didn't really accomplish that much. So like there's a million things throughout our day that the world says we need to do, but reality, we don't really need to do. We could really, if we look at a lot of things we do, we could actually probably get rid of those things. We might have to give up a couple things, but there's a lot of time in our day that's just kind of wasted time. So basically, it's like eating too. Like at what point do you get more hungry than you are busy, so you actually stop and eat? It's like if you're hungry, the, the, the beauty of hunger is it causes you to. Eat. It allows you to recognize your needs so that you actually satisfy your need rather yeah. than, and so that's the danger of, I mean, that's the, the gift of weakness is, wow, I'm hungry, now I can do something with this because I'm actually aware of it. Yeah, so weakness, I think, is, that was the turning point. So I think, if you, I mean, if you pray, Holy Spirit, I want to do this. Like he'll he'll make ways for you to be weak, <laughs> and it'll be good. <laughs> and it's and it's wonderful. It drives us to it. We weakness isn't bad. It's it's incredible. So I'd say if we say Jesus, I want to do this. He'll it'll be mostly him, also us. He'll set up circumstances, but we have to say, okay, Jesus, here I am. Teach me. So I think, yeah, sum it all up. Schedule. Your schedule from 6 o'clock, you said? Yep. Now, that's part of your uh, reading the word or singing. Yeah, talk about that in, listening yep. to him, reading certain scriptures and how much time we're listening. I don't That might be interesting for me. Yeah. As long as we're having this question answered. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we have the I have web stream going on 24-7 in our house, which is nice. 
So that's that's always going on in the prayers. That's free. That's free, yeah. If you go to iHop.org, you can listen to the iHop web stream 24-7, so it's... You can, you can listen to Jess and pray along with Jess. Yeah, we, we see Jess on the web stream sometimes. Oh, yes, yes! Oh, yes! So, usually, um, six, I'm usually there from 6 to noon. I spend a little bit of time um, praying, and then a lot of, the majority of the time is spent um, just kind of reading through the Word and reading slowly and listening to what he's saying and what talking with him. Right um, Romans 3 to 8, Song of Solomon. That's about it. Oh. Over and over. So, um, yeah, I'd say, I think the biggest thing is for me is just been spending time reading the Word slowly and listening to the Holy Spirit. And because of the seeing the great need in my heart, um, having to search out things and having to ask questions and um, encountering him. And once we encounter him, like once our hearts are captured, we move from a place of I need to do this to survive to where I can't live without this. This is what I was created for, Jesus. You're my everything. The fact that you love me drives me to do this. So usually it starts off in need and it moves to delight. Um, and you start at 6 and you go till about noon? Yep. Typically. That's only been the past couple of months. For a while, it was like, I would try to, I'd spend like 20 minutes and get distracted and go work on something. And... We'll talk about that later. Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> so it's completely, I probably used to spend six hours watching TV, so it's not like I, I have zero, this is zero my dedication, I delight in it. I get really frustrated when something comes up and I can't spend time in the morning. So I should have to deal with anger in that area more than I have to deal with <laughs> getting myself out of bed. And that's completely him, and that's because there's no difference between any person. Every person has the exact same diet desires in their heart. Every single person will be fascinated by him. I would bank my life on it, and you can too. Yes. So, have no fear that you have no desire. It's there. It might be a little bit fun when it gets exposed. It'll come. Um, yeah, where are we at? <laughs> okay, so number four is Bitcoin. So the big part of growing in a relationship with God is tearing down of false perceptions we have, we've had of his character. We have seen the Father as being mostly mad or mostly disappointed in our failures when the reality is that he loved us in our worst state, so we'll say our, uh, worst state, and gave his son for us, and now he delights in us even in weakness. Oh, that's so good. So this... I'm going to read this verse right away too. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So a big part, this has been very true in my, just my journey, um, a big part of our journey in the knowledge of who God is is tearing down false ideas of who He is. Because we have these false ideas... And they keep us from true relationship because we can't come near him because he's angry or he doesn't really care. And we've learned it's, so it's it's not only learning the truth; it's also learning the truth and then tearing down these lies that have been there. And that's where freedom comes. And Jesus said that um, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He says that in John 8:32. So remember that too. The big part is tearing down false ideas. We all, because we're human, we weren't we were birthed into iniquity. We have wrong perceptions of who he is, and there's a journey of coming out of that. And there is complete freedom, and it's yes, that's true. it's available. But that's that's a big part of the journey is coming out of lies. So it's not only encountering the truth; it's encountering the truth primarily. Then that truth topples over lies. So there is an aspect of breaking down wrong perceptions of who he is. And have you found that in your journey, um, though sometimes we think we're believing truth in our minds, 
there's still lies in our emotions or in our will. Oh, huge. I thought. So I think that that's. I think that's true. Often, even in my own life, it's like I think in my mind. Yeah, I agree with that truth, but then I'm in a situation that exposes that. Wow, emotionally, I'm really, you know, insecure when I don't have the approval of man. Okay, wait a second. That's not the truth of the way I should be living. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I think what he's saying about encountering Jesus in a real way in the Word allows that to go deeper. It's it's moving from the, the head to the heart. Yeah, because I think every single one of us would say that Jesus loves us. I don't think there's anyone who would disagree with that intellectually. But the majority of this, our pursuit in the knowledge of God, is coming into the actual revelation that Jesus loves us. That's good. So it's it's way more than a, I believe that. Jesus loves me. Cool. Jesus delights in me. I believe that sometimes. But I mean, it's like... I think that's true. Yeah. It's, it's coming into a heart revelation. That's good. Um, so yeah, that's a really good point. In fact, this is... If we think that, oh, I know that. I know I have my list of truths of who God is. We can do that, and that's a good starting point, but we want those to actually become part of our life, which usually comes, usually that, um, the place moves from the head to the heart is when the false arguments are cast down. When we see the things that have been exalting themselves against the revelation of the beauty of Jesus. We see those things, Paul Strait says that there's arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. They set themselves up and say, no, God, you are not this way, you are this way. And they're part of our belief system, and we don't know that they're lies. We just think that's how it is. And as those things are addressed and cast down, that's when the revelation moves from our head to our heart, the fact that Jesus loves us and he is truly beautiful. So that the, the journey from the head to the heart is strongly based in the casting down of arguments and every high thing that exalts itself. Mm-hmm. Do you have something, Paul? Yes. One of the counselors or one of the pastors, I can't remember who it was, from Northwestern, uh, said in their counseling with the students there, he would ask them, well, does Jesus love you? And they would say, well, sure, he loves everybody. Okay, does Jesus like you? And he said the response that he sometimes got is that they would start to cry because it was hard for them to picture God liking them because the truth had not touched their emotions, it had touched their intellect. And so it took a session with them to take away the lies because the that he likes means, well, he's interested, he'd like to spend time with me, he enjoys me, and, and they had not perceived that. That had not been a part of their experience. And here were Christian kids that had grown up loving Jesus. I would say that's true. The, probably the majority of um, evangelical Christianity in America, or myself included, like we, we grew up saying, God loves me. Because he has to, probably. Not quite sure. That's kind of that's honestly that's kind of what we actually think. Though we don't understand that he he delivered us because he delights in us, and that revelation of the fact that Jesus actually delights in us is probably the strong one of the strongest revelations to the human heart. That I would say it is the strongest revelation to the human heart that will motivate us and empower our hearts more than anything else. The fact that he not only loves us, but he delights in me. He delights in me not because I'm super Christian but because of who he made me to be, because of what he's paid for on the cross. And that everything we have, every bit of his delight in me, will never ultimately point to my dedication. It will always ultimately point to what he has done and the character and the nature that's found inside him and his love that is in his nature. So these are things that continually are continual revelations to us. It's not once, okay, I got that one. We get it, and it's the greatest thing in our life, and then we realize that it goes deeper, 
and we get it again, and like, this is the most incredible revelation of my life. And then it just goes on and on and on for all eternity. That continual, I thought I had it, wait, it gets better than this, it gets better than this, it gets better than this. And so it's, it's a continual revelation, too, of Jesus delights in me, and then being fascinated over and over and over by the, the extravagance of that statement. Yeah. <clears throat> so, kind of sum up the whole last, as far as the pursuit of the knowledge of God, it's ultimately it's based in encountering Jesus in the Word, encountering who He is, um, encountering His emotions and what He's done, and just listening to Him, letting Him teach us, letting Him expose our heart. He has to do the work to where our hearts are exposed to where they receive it, because if we, if we have no hunger, these things will they'll bounce off us, but our, our hunger is, um, it's our responsibility, but it's primarily his. We disagree with him. And he's given us, each one of us is desperately hungry to know Jesus. That's not, no one has to be afraid of, well, I guess I'm not very hungry and I'm afraid. We, we were created all the same. He didn't create anyone without a hunger for him. Every single person has a longing to know Jesus. So that is, that's inherent. You don't have to be afraid that, that, that it's true for everyone else, but you're just going to be um, someone who has to go through life apathetic. I'm just really struck, Andy, that you have given yourself to this. And I think as people here, there are some that want to do that. But they say, there's no way I could do that like he's doing it. And I'm wondering if you could share if there's something that led you to that so that you came to the place where you were able to give yourself to that kind of time. Because that's that's simply not typical for any age group, but especially young adults. So it's, that's remarkable, and it blesses me to know that that's... Because I see a difference in your teaching now and the teaching of a year ago, and I know now why that is. Because you are, like Mary, sitting at his feet. What got you there? Um... <clears throat> Talk about you shared about with me about worship. Encountering worship, you yeah. mean? Encountering God. Worship. That was a huge part of. I can talk about that song, song too. That's been. Oh, we don't much time. Um, I think so. For me, it was kind of. Um, I don't know how to share it because it's kind of. Ultimately, I saw these. I saw all these things begin to see last December, the fact that my perception of the Father was off, the fact that I would often hide from him in shame, and I, I knew the truth that he loved me, but in my emotions it would often play out in the fact that, um, or play out in shame, or hiding from him, or not feeling accepted. And so I began to see that there were some misperceptions, and I began to, I mean really, a lot of the reason we don't seek him is because we've found ways to kind of suppress our pain like a lot of us have i mean you there's only two options either you are incredibly encountering the love of jesus like jesus was and you're living in the full revelation of him and you have no greater desire than to fill spend all day before his feet or your heart has become we've hardened our hearts because we have pains that have caused us to shut our heart down and now our heart no longer beats for hardly anything so every single person is either falls in those two categories. I mean, there's no, I mean, there's there's a obviously a spectrum of going from the hardened heart to in love with Jesus, but that ultimately it's either you're in love with Jesus and you've encountered the fullness of who he is, which was, I think, what one man, Jesus is the only one who actually accomplished that, or 
because of the past pains and hurts in your life, we've shut our hearts down to the point where we don't open them up even to him. And we're, we've kind of made ourselves okay with just going through life, living small pleasure to small pleasure, not really being completely fascinated by anything, but at least it doesn't hurt as bad as it would to fully embrace the, the pain. And a lot of times I didn't even see the fact that I had pain. I went through high school, you know, I was, I don't know, I was kind of an accepted, well-liked kind of guy, so I didn't really have, I didn't see the pain until he began to expose these things in my heart. Um, these facts that I've had, the fact that I had wrong perceptions of him as being a, a, an angry father, of being um, not necessarily always angry, but just kind of, always kind of disappointed. Like, oh, well, I love you, but just not always. Not quite doing enough. Yeah, you're not, never doing not quite. Anyway, like sometimes I feel like he loved me, but it was more of a pity kind of, I love you, but not crazy yeah, delighted in you. Yeah, I feel bad for you more than I. How many feel that way? How many, how many, that's, that's kind of your picture at this point. About right now, that's where you are. Because that's, that's really typical, I think. It's, it's, it's incredibly it's typical. It's hard to get beyond that. It is. I, I, I think this is such, such an important point, such an important moment. It took me a long time to, to, to get there, to be giving more quality time. And as a young person, I, I prayed as a young pastor. I had friends pray that I will want to spend time with Jesus. Well, what is that? That's a clue. You know, because obviously there's something about me that doesn't want to then, that I think other things are more important, that other people had to pray. Well, I think a lot of times there's boredom because we're, our hearts are so closed that we're not allowing ourselves to feel, yeah. and therefore going to him seems like, a, oh man, I'm going to the doctor because, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's sad for me that people are taken up with entertainment, and I I know because I, I was there, but now I can, I can handle a little bit of that, but I, I tell my kids, don't overdose on that stuff. It's a symptom that your heart is not taken by Jesus, so you get entertained by other things, and you've gotten past that. So I, I'd like to just stop for a moment here, because I know that others hear what you're doing, and they say, that's impossible. No, that can't happen. Uh, it, and they're fascinated with other things. And I don't say that, I'm not desiring to shame anybody or put anybody down. I just know that's reality, that's where most people live. And where God has taken you is a wonderful place. Because you're not you're not we're not saying, oh sorry for you. You've got to spend that much time with you. No, not at all. I... Oh that must be boring. Well obviously it isn't. I mean because he wants to spend more. Six hours is probably not enough and you'd like to spend more if you had a chance. So uh, I just want to stop here. And uh, you mentioned the uh, issue of pain. Where you have pain and you think that that's a, a big issue that's keeping you from experiencing the kind of love that Andy is talking about, let's just take, take some time to, to pray for that. Uh, some of you raise your hand if, if that's where you are. If, if, if you're feeling the pain more than the pleasure of Jesus, the pain of life, then let's pray for that. Okay? Raise your hand if that's that's where you are. And if you're close to others, let's just let's just take some time now. Pain is a real issue. I mean, it's it's hard for some of us. 
life is incredibly <coughs> difficult and, and incredibly sad. If you're not, even if you're not praying for someone else or asking for prayer, just, let's just ask the Holy Spirit too to yeah. reveal things in our heart, like Andy was saying, that as he confronts yeah. the lies, God will reveal the truth so mm-hmm. he'll shine his light. Yeah. Does everybody have somebody who's praying for you that raised your hand? Here, put your hand on yeah. your hand. And, and I know that I, even others that don't raise their hand we're all in a place of real need here. And I think the, this is the, beauty the of biggest difference, there's two ways when we encounter pain, we can either um, try to shut our hearts down, try to get rid of the pain at any cost, and try to suppress it, which will lead to a hard heart. Jesus can still soften it, but it will it won't help with anything. Or we can refuse to try to suppress the pain and deal with the issues. We can say, Jesus, help me deal with the issues. And it's it can be painful, but there's grace, and he's, and he's worth it. So I'd say that when the pain comes, that we, the, the thing that looking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, okay, I'm not going to try to suppress this. Help me. Let me find release from this in you. I refuse to shut my heart down, Jesus. This might be painful, but I'd rather have a broken heart than a, than a cold heart. So there's that thing of either trying to, in our own strength, suppress the pain and hold it down, or walking through it with him and letting him reveal things, revealing himself to us. I think that's the... That's one of the big paradigm shifts of where yeah, we either go one way or the other direction. And he's the one who gives us the grace to do that. So. You don't shame us, Jesus, for the pain in our lives. You know it's there. You know the things that we struggle with. You know the fears in our life. You know the areas of loneliness isolation. You know the areas of sorrow. You know the areas of deep insecurity. Or we're just insecure with people and we're insecure without people. We're insecure about our future. We we don't feel like we've had enough support where we can really get it together. We feel broken and we feel embarrassed at being broken. We think that we should be doing it better by now, but uh, we don't want to tell people that we're not. We're sorry. And... We somehow don't feel that even you understand, but we want to say this morning, we know you do, even though we we think that maybe you don't. We know that deep down you understand, and what gives us hope is hearing this morning that you really do care about us in our insecurities, that scripture makes it clear throughout, from beginning to end, that the Lord has a predisposition toward the needy and the weak. And yet somehow we try to be strong. But he's always shown a predisposition. Like for widows and orphans and poor, he actually likes them better. He likes broken people because they know their need. So if you're able, like you raise your hand, if you're able to acknowledge, yeah, I'm broken, I'm needy, I struggle, that he has a predisposition for you right off the bat. And he comes close to you. And the Bible says, that in all their affliction, he is afflicted. In other words, he, he, he not only knows it, but he, there's something in his emotions. He feels emotionally toward afflicted people. He shares it. He identifies. That's what the cross is all about. He came to bear our sickness, our, our struggles, our emotion. Psalm 147 says, 
He heals the brokenhearted. He doesn't heal the people that have together. He despises them. That's what he despised about the Pharisees. He despised them because they didn't need a doctor. But those who do need a doctor, he draws right near to them. And so he's drawing near to you now. He's coming close to you to touch you. Jesus, would you touch us now in our emotions this morning? Would you touch us and uh, identify with us in our need? You created our hearts, Lord. You created our hearts. And your word says, this is then how we know that we belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. In your presence, Lord, we set our hearts at rest. Because our our hearts can get so stirred up and so troubled. Mm. And uh, the next verse from 1 John 3 says, Whenever our hearts condemn us. So it's not if. You knew. You knew. And you you know us inside and out. You know that our own hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. He knows everything. He knows every single thing, everything we're feeling, everything we've gone through. Lord, you are so gracious to bring your healing. Pour down your Holy Spirit. Pour down your healing. Come now with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. We know that the enemy is the one that wants to stop our hearts from beating. Uh, We know that the enemy is the one that wants to put that wall up. And it wants to almost paralyze us and shut us down. We come against the enemy in all his ways. We say no to that evil, to all that condemnation, to all those darts. We say no to that. We say yes to you. Yes to your love being poured into our hearts. Let the Holy Spirit comfort you now. The Bible says he is the comforter. Oh, yeah. Just let him comfort you. Let him speak words that bring comfort deep into your heart so that you can apprehend his love and feel it. What would he say to you if he really wanted to comfort you? How does he want to make you feel? Why, Why would... The Bible said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's how I want you to feel, so that you are never condemned. Jesus, comfort your sisters and brothers. There's nothing in Jesus that wants to that wants to criticize you for insecurity. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. He would never do that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever the deep pains are now, if you in your heart bring them to Him, just speak them to Him. You can do it out loud if you want. You can do it quietly if you want. But just speak to him your insecurities, your fears.
Father, I pray that the following days would be a, a place of strength that they can come to you. That as a natural tendency to go to different things, to drown it out, to suppress it, Father, that you would put up a roadblock and make the path so clear to you. Father, that as they take one step, you will run to them. Father, as they take a look in their hearts, as they have to face this pain that they have tried so long to run from, that you would be so quick to take that away from them. Father, they come to you with open hands. They come to you with their hurts. They come to you wanting the truth. So, Father, reveal that to them right now. Let your Holy Spirit, the Helper, help them in this. Let this be a time for them to see the truth. Let this be a time for your Holy Spirit to reveal who they are in you. Give them the strength, Father. Bring your healing. It's hard to face pain. Yeah. But you will not be alone ever. Jesus desires to give us beauty for ashes, he says. So uh, 
that's always what he gives us when we give him pain. We don't have to do anything apart from just give him the ashes and he gives us beauty. So I feel like he wants us to remind us that that's all we do is we give him the ashes. We all have ashes. Um, and as we give him the ashes, he gives us beauty. And that's, that's the only recipe he has is beauty for ashes. Um, Jesus, just give us the grace just to give you our ashes. Just reveal the ashes so we can give them to you. Let's just receive your beauty. Yes, we just captivate our hearts in that. You you do this in us.
make melody in your car. And I think that's what's been tremendously transforming for you know my life as well as yours. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. We we can go and get there, but the last page just says uh, there's some practicals. I think the most one of the most overlooked, the most simple life changing thing that I found is just to pick uh, point B. Um, I think we're about done here, so I'm wrap it up. But uh, pick a couple of verses, maybe two verses that are dealing with and that speak the truth that that you're the pain that you're feeling. For me, pretty much every one of those verses comes from Song of Solomon. Um, I want to hit that really quick too. We'll just talk about that just to introduce. But just pick one or two verses that speak how Jesus feels about you, what He says, who He is, and make them part of your daily ongoing dialogue with the Holy Spirit make them part of your prayer language if we don't make them part of our prayer language they, they'll encounter us in tiny bits here and there we'll have encounters that are great but it'll slowly fade back off to the way it was and we'll be confused as to why we had this awesome encounter and now we're back to where we were and so we have to take these things and we make them part of our ongoing dialogue because our minds even though our heart or our spirits know the truth our minds are maybe still living in the old way of things and if we if we don't continue in that looking to him and saying this is how you feel about me Jesus and talking to him about these scriptures um, it's pretty easy just to slide back into the place we were so as we go on this awesome journey of encountering his love for us we pick a couple of verses that speak the truth of his feelings towards us and we just make them part of our our prayer language to him we pray them over and over and repeat them over and over um, and we make them part of the ongoing dialogue we have with the Holy Spirit throughout the day. Um, one thing with that is just note cards. Like note cards seem incredibly simple, yet they literally have huge eternal impact. It seems ridiculous. I didn't believe it until a little recently, but um, Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 19 says, Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand. This is Jesus. This is the Yahweh speaking. Like He's making this command. Bind them as a sign in the, on your hand, and they shall be as a frontlets between your eyes. <laughs> no idea what that is. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk the way, walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So, it's the recipe that Jesus chose. Is he gives us the truth in the Word, and we just take the truth of who He is, and we meditate on it, and we let it transform us. We're transformed by the washing of the water of the Word. And if you look up Ephesians 4:23 and 5:26, that's just uh, more scripture based that. But and then Isaiah 55:11 says that His Word will not come back void. If we are just faithful in the simple thing of just making these note cards and just making it, praying it throughout the day, that will that transforms our lives. It's incredibly simple, but it is literally transforming your entire life and it'll transform your destiny. And it seems small, but can't emphasize enough the fact that just taking those two or three verses and saying that throughout the day that will transform your life that is the it boils down to that I, I could say that if you do that your life will be changed yeah it's not one event it's not super complicated you don't have to know the whole scripture you can know one verse and that will change your life so um, I think we're going to break now maybe we'll talk a little bit afterwards but I would, Song of Solomon has changed my life That I think that is the book in my opinion Clint's still coming I haven't got it <laughs> it hasn't come yet I was afraid of it but it's completely transformed my life, and it's it's been overlooked, and we're seeing a lot of shame and just a lot of misperceptions of God in our culture, and I think it's directly correlated to the fact that we haven't studied the Song of Solomon in the way that the Holy Spirit wrote it. So, I would read the notes on that. I can't encourage the Song of Solomon enough. It, I think it, it will completely, radically transform your life and your view of Jesus. I think that book has been a big part of what's allowed me to 
spent time with him is just seeing his emotions in that have, have empowered my heart to do that. So Song of Solomon, I can't encourage it enough. I think it is an end time book and it's our delight to know him. It's our revelation of his heart. So um, with that, I think we're um, we're going to wrap up, have some lunch. Just know it's Oh, 12.30. Yeah. And then if you really want to just sit and receive, don't feel like you have to like rush out of this, but there is going to be uh, open gyms, so we'll play basketball and volleyball and you know, that. So we'll just, you play, yeah. okay. and we'll just transition however you feel led. Feel free to go in there, feel free to grab something to drink or go back and we'll be eating in here at 12.30, uh, between 12.30 and 1. Okay. Yeah. And one last thing, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that this is a life-transforming day. You don't have to leave. Well, I guess that was really sweet. I think it was something, but I don't feel it anymore, and I don't know what happened. But, you know, this is this. Is, the Holy Spirit says this is a life-transforming day. This is a change. This is this is something new and different. This isn't. Oh, I guess it's sweet. We'll probably go back to the way things were. It doesn't have to at all. The Holy Spirit says this can be a new day. This is. Um, a change and this is life will never be the same we're never going back so father jesus we ask you to reveal yourself to us and you capture our hearts jesus we know that apart from you we're hopeless that we need you to love you jesus we look to you and say you're everything we are everything we ask you to captivate our hearts that you would become our all in all that you your beauty would consume our hearts we would be consumed by nothing apart from you that your the beauty of who you are, your love for us, would completely dominate our lives. And we, we say, yes, we want that. We say, we completely need you. Our flesh has nothing, no power to, to seek you. We, we need your Holy Spirit to, to teach our hearts, to, to show us the fact that you have given us new hearts, and to show us that um, you have places to desire in us. So we ask that you would come, Jesus, and that you would put this in our hearts. We look to you completely, Jesus, and we say, this is completely you. We completely need you. And you're completely awesome, and you are altogether beautiful. And so we say, yes, we want to make this the desire of our hearts, the the, the one thing that defines our lives. Um, so we give it to you, Jesus. Uh, we love you. Um, bless this food and our fellowship, and uh, just continue to work on our hearts. Just reveal the truth of who you are, and we ask that, yeah, we agree with you. We say, amen. They could use these scriptures right in here. I'll just put my, this in my Bible. And read. Yeah. And we might talk afterwards. A couple things. But yeah, song is on. Check it out. Thanks, Andy. Hey.